91.3 The Blaze. Welcome in. Spencer Porter with Hank Bichelle. It is time for our Monday show to recap the weekend of exciting world of sports. Week two of the NFL. Week three of college football. And, wow, we had a little bit of everything. Devastating losses. A few upsets. And the unpredictable world of the NFL continued to deliver as you know, a handful of teams are now 2-0. and Sad to see some go to 0-2 and the mixture that fall in between at 1-1. and Lots of inconsistency throughout week 1 and 2 of the NFL. And you have those teams from week 1 to week 2, like the Seahawks, who improve a lot and pick up a road win in, in OT against the Detroit Lions. And then you have teams that, you know, the woes continue. The Cincinnati Bengals are starting the season 0-2 once again and just can't seem to find their way. Uh, other teams fall into 0-2, pretty predictable at, for the Arizona Cardinals to see them go to 0-2. But blowing a big lead, though, as they were up big at the end of the half. Uh, just the exciting exciting world. Do not bet on the NFL. Uh you just never know what's going to happen. Two games tonight. Uh, the Saints are starting up soon on the road in Carolina at 5.15 Mountain Time. And then the Browns play the Steelers. Week one, we only had Bills Jets on Monday night. Uh, this week, we have two games. And next week as well, two Monday night games. Lots of opportunity to, to find your favorite team and be able to sit down and watch them, even if you don't have an NFL Sunday ticket. And if worse comes to worse, find that pirated website, as we all know a few in mind. Uh what were your some some of your takeaways, Hank, from this week of the NFL? And you can, of course, trickle in some of the Broncos. As that's your team, and I'll touch on some of the Patriots. But, yeah, what are some of your thoughts after week two of the NFL? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, exciting games in the NFL this week. Not too many blowouts, which we love to see. Uh, starting on Thursday night, we had a pretty decent game with the uh, Vikings and the Eagles. Eagles getting the dub in that one. Um Broncos game, just another another week of despair and disappointment watching my good old Denver Broncos up 21-3. Russell Wilson looking like Russell Wilson from Seattle, and then second half starts, defense falls apart, offense can't move the ball. Um, get a little life at the end with that uh, Hail Mary, and even though, yes, that was – uh, defensive pass interference or defensive holding on the two point conversion. Uh, like we should never should have been in that situation with the Washington Commanders. So disappointing. We got the Dolphins next week, so we'll probably start the season zero three. Could happen. Could be the same boat for the Patriots. The Commanders two and zero. First time they've been two and zero since twenty eleven, and you know just some surprising teams. Like we said last week. We, we expected more points throughout the whole league. You know, week one, these defenses had the whole summer uh, to prepare for that week one offense they were going to go against to put a picture of the QB they were facing on their locker and to, you know, just start to hate that guy, want to get on him. So week two was going to have, you know, less defensive just standouts and amazing performances, more points, more touchdowns. And that also is, of course, because from week one to week two, the offense transitions into more of a rhythm. And you have a lot of these guys that didn't play any in the preseason. Like, you know, the strong example is the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Yes, he was hurt. If he wasn't hurt, he probably wouldn't have played in the preseason anyway. And this was initially kind of a game-changing idea with Sean McVay when he didn't have any of his guys playing the preseason. 
and then they end up winning the Super Bowl that year. And so everyone tries to follow in those footsteps, and then they come out week one of the NFL um, looking shaky. The Pittsburgh Steelers just got just killed, just walked off the field hosting the 49ers week one, the Bengals. I, I don't know if Jamar Chase has caught a pass over 15 yards yet. They're struggling to get him involved. T. Higgins didn't have a catch week one, had two touchdowns yesterday. So they're starting to find it. Uh, it's easy to overact with the Bengals. I think we could still find them in the playoffs this week, uh, this season. We'll have to see. And, and then the, the fun thing to preview, if you're not a Chargers or Vikings fan, the fun thing for the rest of us is that those two match up in week three. So one of those teams, uh, both playoff teams last year, one of those teams will start off the season 0-3. I, I sure hope we don't have a tie. We're bound to have one of those in the league, which Never is just, rule out the tie. Uh, just it's such it's such a lame outcome. But we, yeah, we can't rule that one out. Could happen. You know, two, the things we do know is the Chicago Bears suck, and so do the Arizona Cardinals. And the the Patriots and the Broncos have just had some great signs of of just increase of reaching that potential, and they're both zero and two, which is just tough with the fan base, the organization, the great head coaches. And all Hank and I can do is just show each other one or two cool plays we made in the game uh, because we can't show a W. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Could happen at some point. I'm sure the rest of you don't don't really care much. Uh, I hope your team pulled it off. But I, I think a few teams are starting to pull away, though. The 49ers and the Eagles continue to be strong. The Eagles haven't even played well yet and are 2-0 and uh, because... You know, one thing they can do at this point is take the ball away defensively. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I, I think, is just still trying to get back into the rhythm and uh, mesh well with his new offensive coordinator. The Cowboys are two and zero. This is, I mean, this is Cowboy Holiday, September and October, to just gush and love them boys out on the field, and then out in Jerry World. Uh, they'll continue to disappoint once they actually play a good team that's not the Giants or the Jets, and they play an elite QB, and then there'll be some trouble. But for the moment, Micah Parsons is eating. He's eating Tostitos off the off the field and just made Zach Wilson run for his life uh, over the course of the week. And, well, Zach Wilson has four interceptions uh, in the season already. If if we would have told you that, I mean, you obviously wouldn't have believed that, that by the end of the first two games, Zach Wilson would have four picks for the Jets. Most people would have thought he wouldn't have played yet. Exactly. I mean, they would have thought, they would have thought oh, yeah, because Rodgers got us up by so much. Zach played both fourth quarters mm-hmm. and just couldn't handle the ball. Uh, but, you know, Rodgers uh, trying to make that comeback, trying to stay cool. We, we're fans of the man. Uh but hey, he's an interesting guy. Kind of the he kind of has a Kyrie Irving mind off the field. Just lets his imagination run wild, and some people love it, some people don't. Take it or leave it. As I have said, I'm pretty adamant about the situation with running quarterbacks. They they are awesome, especially when you have a control in your hands. Whether it's classic college football game, the the college mascots football on the Wii. Decade, decade back. Great game. And Madden, you got those running quarterbacks. I mean, come on. And even if it's ultimate team, you, you get 
Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, you get just the fun QBs to use, or you create your own guy and with that 98, 99 speed. Man, they look cool, and they have some nice highlights. But then we play the entire game, and some of them can't even make it the entire game. Anthony Richardson, concussion, late first half. Uh, he He's done for the rest of the game. They were able to pull out the win over the Texans. Justin Fields. He, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna break the rushing record. He's gonna be MVP. He's gonna be a contender this year. Yeah, he's zero and two because he can't throw the ball. He can't get DJ Moore involved. Chase Claypool's a diva, and uh, it it's just not gonna work out. You have you have people that can run. Yes, Patrick Mahomes can run. Yes, Josh Allen can can run. But they're they're dual threat. Those guys can sling the pigskin. You know, pass for five thousand yards in a season. Can Justin Fields do that? No. Uh, you know, can Tim Tebow, Robert Griffin III do that? No, sadly, their careers were cut short. Uh, but it's been a blessing in the skies for us to have them as analysts and announcers. As RG3 does a great job, he's fun to listen to. And so, as I finish this rant, Tank, what you know, what what do you think about the running QB? And as I said at one point, that you know, in our lifetime from the year 2000 and on, as the West Coast offense and shotgun. Uh, has been more involved that the running quarterback has never won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would agree with you um, for the most part. The game has just changed to so, like, they just air it out so much. The quarterback, the usage for quarterbacks have gone up so much more. So that's why I think we're seeing them take more hits. Uh, they scramble a lot more. Like, Lamar Jackson's a great example. People called him a running back coming into the his career. I think he's proved a lot of people wrong when MVP, but so far through the two games this year, he's he's kind of changed the way he runs. He It's not really his first look anymore. He does a good job at getting down before any real big hits can get laid on him, and he's become a pretty solid pa- pocket passer. We're looking at the stats here. He led the game in passing yards with 237, which may seem like a pretty run-of-the-mill day, but... He was also making plays with his feet, so I I agree that they will. If you're a running quarterback, and that's how you're just um, that's how people describe you, you're going to get hurt because they use quarterbacks so much more. But I think Lamar Jackson, like you said, Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, they found good balances between the two, and I think that's just the way that football has uh, become. So I think that's that's kind of my take. You just need to find a good balance. Exactly, and I mean. Finding the balance in anything in life and sports is so much easier said than done. There's so many great competitors. We look at the NBA. You have to have a roster eight, nine guys deep to make a run. There's just so much talent. And in the NFL, in all sports, especially in the NFL, you just need the luck of the health. The injury bug can just really destroy your season. You know Whether you're the Utah Utes, uh, the Golden State Warriors years back, or you know even at this moment, the, the Jets, uh, I mean, that suffered a gigantic injury and their O-line is shaky. And so that that's maybe the, the small percentages of luck you need in the world of sports uh, to fend off those injuries. Lamar Jackson, like, like you mentioned, Hank, he's one of the probably top guys after two weeks, you know, in the MVP race, mm-hmm. which is obviously premature, but he's off to a great start. And so are the Ravens. And, you know, as we recap the week, some standout performances, even in the loss, C.J. Stroud throwing for 384 passing yards. That led all QBs. 
you know, which is surprising and, and good for him. You know, if you're listening with us right now, na- name me a receiver on the Houston Texans. I mean, they, they got Damian Pierce at, at running back and Devin Singletary in the backfield uh, and Dalton Schultz at tight end. But these receivers, you know, who knows? You know, I, I'm just hearing crickets. Uh, but they're figuring it out. And C.J. Stroud, you know, put up a, a nice game in the loss. Christian McCaffrey starting off to be the best receiver, uh, excuse me, best running back, uh, back-to-back games over 100 yards rushing. And uh, he, man, he's just amazing. It's crazy with just how running backs work. The The Panthers, I believe, only got a second-round draft pick in that trade uh, with the 49ers, which seems little. I mean, it also it also meant they didn't have to, you know, give them a, a bag of 20-plus million dollars a year. Uh, but the 49ers give everyone over $30 million. It seems $20 million with their skill guys. But when your quarterback's a seventh-round draft pick, you don't have to pay him much money uh, for a few years' time, and so they're able to make that happen. Here's what I really wanted to talk about, though, especially, I mean, we're here in Utah. Puka Nakua has been amazing uh, in replacement uh, of Cooper Cup and a great addition for anyone's fantasy football team and more importantly greater great addition for the St. Louis Rams. Oh my goodness, the Los Angeles Rams. And Matthew Stafford has uh, been looking his way, you know, not just a little bit. Uh talk about 15 receptions for Puka Nakua just in the game yesterday in, in the loss uh to the 49ers, but just also back-to-back games for 100 unbelievable yards for Puka. I mean, he's tying, well, setting NFL records for rookie performances. 20 targets on week two, just yesterday's game, and 15 targets in the week one win over the Seahawks. He's up to 266 yards receiving on the year. And, I mean, round five pick, number 177 overall. And, I mean, it's just... It's just shocking. Uh, he's been such a great addition for the Rams and just one of those sleepers that has come out of nowhere and, and been a great product uh, for his team. So great sign for Puka Nakua. Uh, good for him. Rams have been playing well too. They were in that game with the Niners until probably the last four minutes of the fourth quarter. Matthew Stafford can still sling it in the pocket. You know, yet Last year he, he was banged up and the offensive line for the Rams got better. They were a mess uh, last year. So just one of those surprises. That's why sports is so fun. Puka Nakua doing his thing. And another surprise, Baker Mayfield, now 2-0 with the Buccaneers. We poked so much fun at that division last year because, it, I mean, it was warranted as the Buccaneers won that division with an 8-9 record. Everyone had really the same record. Uh, but uh, to this point, the Atlanta Falcons, 2-0. Panthers 0-1, but they play the Saints tonight. If the Saints win, though, they'll be 2-0, uh, which will be big. And then Baker and the Buccaneers are 2-0 uh, with their win over the Bears yesterday. So surprising stuff. You know, some of these veterans are still putting up numbers, whether they're, you know, definitely pouty and uh, get a little cheap with it, like Mike Evans, uh, over 100 yards yesterday, and he, He's uh he still might have a little bit of gas left in the tank. 
the surprising outcome uh, of probably the arguably the biggest game uh, of the day yesterday between the Chiefs and the Jaguars only resulted in a 17-9 win for the Chiefs. The Jags offense couldn't uh, really get it going, but uh, we focus so much offensively with what the Jaguars have and the Chiefs, uh, but the, these defenses I think are starting to become a bit overrated. The Chiefs had Travis Kelsey and Chandler Excuse me, Chandler Jones back. No, Chris Jones back and Travis Kelsey. And it resulted in a win, uh, but a little shaky. A pick from Patrick Mahomes and I believe only four catches for Travis Kelsey. Not a lot of action. He did get a touchdown, uh, but we'll have to see. Obviously, Hank and I, right before the NFL season started, made our predictions for playoff you know, picture and who's going to win the divisions. But it's just fun to judge by week to week basis with the recency bias who we're who we're going with and who you know we don't trust. And at, you know as you as you waver who you are going with and who you don't, you also just can't take the people seriously that you hate, whether they're your division rivals or just an athlete that you can't get enough of, or the athlete that just torched you in fantasy football, or the flip side, the the guy that you're just head over heels for because you've had him on fantasy and he keeps delivering for you. But with all that being said, obviously, Hank, we made our predictions. Uh, but, you know, as of right now, who, who's who's hot? Who's who's riding high? Who do you think has can put themselves in contention for, you know, an AFC championship, NFC championship uh, position? And who do you think is uh, in, in some big trouble to not even make a wild card? Um, I'll start with the people in trouble. For the AFC, definitely the Chargers. If they lose next week and start 0-3, that's really tough to get back into, especially with a loaded AFC like that. Um, I still have confidence in the Chiefs, as much as I hate to say it. Um, although they have not looked like their normal selves, I think Baltimore is a very serious contender. They have the defenses, the best Weapons that Lamar's ever had in his career. Zay Flowers is a baller. Um, on the flip side for the NFC, a little bit harder. I do think that Dallas, as much as you hate them, I think that this is the best uh, team that they've had in a while. They've had some good teams, but this defense looks legit. They do need to play uh, a team with a little bit better offense before we can really jump the gun on them. Um, Eagles looking a little shaky, but shaky. If shaky is two and zero, then I'll take shaky. I think that um, New York Giants are in trouble. They were a wild card team last year, and this their offense is not looking good. Had a good good comeback win yesterday, but that was against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Detroit and Seattle both got into their offensive grooves and they we know that both of them are pretty explosive offense but i think my sleeper team is going to be the rams i think that they uh like we said matthew stafford still got it they got some weapons they don't even have cooper cut back sean McVay's a genius I, I i have a lot of confidence with going forward with them yeah and i mean and they won week one against the seahawks which Will definitely. I mean, that's a huge divisional win, especially battling for the wild card. As you would think, as the 49ers might run away with the division, they're just. I mean, they are just solid. Got a handful of playmakers on either side of the ball, and it, yeah, I agree with that. I think the Dolphins are hot as well. 
but yeah, everything you said, I mean, those are some solid teams. And we thought that, the, you know, the, the Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and Buccaneers were going to be, you know, kind of just a hunk of what they were last year. But so far, the division's starting off strong, and we can see two two teams from that division uh, making the playoffs. And the Atlanta Falcons seem to, you know, grind out wins, even though it's not pretty. Desmond Ritter, I mean, he he's all right, but they got Drake London, who kind of disappears and has a big game. Kyle Pitts, who I, you would just think could never disappear, but sometimes just does not get targeted, even though, I mean, he's a specimen. And then Robinson has been a stud. Bijan's the real deal. Back-to-back games, been very impressed by him. And they have a very just underrated one-two punch in the backfield as Algier uh, d- does some nice things as well. It was over 1,000 yards rushing last year. But, it, I mean, it, it will just be fun to see those things. And uh, before we trickle into college football, uh, with tonight's slate, the Saints at the Panthers and then the Browns at the Steelers. W- w- what do you think is going to come of this game? Obviously, the Saints are favored by three points and the Browns are favored by two. Both these games being divisional games, you know, they're always going to be tough. Always tough to beat uh, a team that you play twice. Uh, Carolina is a tough place to play, as well as Pittsburgh. Um, give me Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to win tonight. I just don't think Pittsburgh has it yet, quite yet. And then I think New Orleans and Carolina is going to be a very close game, but I think New Orleans will cover, and they're going to squeak by um, my man Bryce Young. Shout out, Paulos. Yeah, I I think the Saints will take care of this one. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, I don't know, man. That division is just tough. tough to get it, wins in that division. It's kind of like Colorado, Colorado State. It, it's just a fist fight uh, with those guys. And, I mean, it, it escalates even to more of that between the Browns and Steelers when Miles Garrett uh, rips Mason Rudolph's helmet off. Uh, but we'll have to see. I, I think the Steelers, I just trust Mike Tomlin. They can't get embarrassed back-to-back weeks, or can they? Uh, but I think Pittsburgh will be able to hold on. Uh, but I really don't see... I see the margin by seven points or less. I don't really see a, any blowouts uh, within these divisional matchups. We'll have to wait and see. And, and let us know uh, what you think as well. And also, we're curious, you know, as a viewer, if you prefer more Joe Buck or Troy Aikman or or the Manning cast. Uh, I think both have their pros and cons. But it always shocks me who the Manning brothers can get on uh, during the game. But then sometimes you're just so interest, interested in their conversation that you forget about the big play that just happened. Uh, but they're both very talented. Of course, I mentioned the Colorado-Colorado State game. I mean, it's it's impeccable, the ratings, because the game ended you know, past 1 a.m. Eastern time. But it was the highest-rated college football game once again uh, through the week. I would say compared to their game against Nebraska, less competition uh, to win the ratings. I mean, they've won week two and week three, but not not some crazy games uh, week three. So, not su- not surprising because there wasn't a lot of you know great matchups. Uh, but at the same time, it is surprising because the game was played you know so late. But the Rams pull away uh, in OT, a crazy victory. The boss. 
Excuse me. I, I can't believe I just said that. The Buffs pull away in OT, and, you know, they're 20-plus point favorite, and, and went in overtime. It was kind of a mess, a little bit of a scrum, solid football, uh, just a bloodbath, some cheap shots, lots of talking. Uh, it, it was just a crazy game, uh, but Colorado beats Colorado State 43-35. to and even though Colorado State is 0-2, no matter your talent or where the RPI puts you, uh, these rivalry games and the Rocky Mountain rivalry are going to be close. And Shadir Sanders didn't have the best first half. Got roughed up a little bit, and Travis Hunter uh, took a big blow uh, running a route, that which was overthrown to him, but then a late hit that ended the game for him in Possibly the next few games he won't be able to play because of it. I mean, we we watched pretty much the whole game, Hank, but obviously we remember, you know, the last few minutes of the fourth quarter in overtime because, you know, that was when every play mattered and it was life or death for either team, especially Colorado, uh, being behind in the fourth. What what did you think of the game and and what do you think about Colorado going into Eugene, Oregon next week? So I think that. The game was amazing. I mean, best college game so far this year by far. Uh, just everything that went into that game, the rivalry, college game day was there, all the celebrities, all the trash trash talk that was going on before the game. You saw the coach talking about Prime and taking off his glasses and his hat when he's talking to adults. The teams were already arguing like two hours before kickoff at midfield. So, you, you know, you know the tensions were high. It was going to be a good game. I thought uh, Shador Sanders' second-half performance was unreal. It's the fact that he bounced back, that, la- that 98-yard drive to tie it up. Uh, it was like, this game had everything. I think Colorado, the most entertaining team in college and NFL right now. I can't miss TV. But I do think next week is definitely their ta- uh, biggest task so far. Oregon's a tough team. I think they uh, jumped up a couple spots. They're ranked 10th right now. And if somehow the uh, the Buffaloes pull out this one, then I think we can start talking about them being for real. Uh, but I just think that they don't have the big boys down in the trenches like all these other big schools. And I think their skill players could run with anyone in the country. Uh, their line's got to hold up, though. Yeah, I couldn't run the ball. No. And they just, they're lucky they have an unreal, talented quarterback back there. So I think next week's game will be good. But I'm feeling an Oregon, uh, an Oregon win. Yeah, I mean, well, Oregon is just, you know, at home in Eugene. They, man, they're just unreal. It's, I, I, but we see it all over the nation with Alabama, even though they just lost at home. Uh, the Utes are Rice Eccles. And Oregon uh, in Eugene, it's just tough to beat these teams. And they have they have a crazy offense. And I just always feel like Oregon's got that extra juice because you just you just feel swaggy when you play for Oregon. You got a new jersey, a new colorway every every game uh, because you know literally Phil Knight's an alum. That's where Nike was born uh, in Oregon, and just, they just have those cool things going for them. And I think the East Coast kind of forgets about them. And sometimes the Pac-12 is forgettable because of past years or just 
like we saw with the Colorado Colorado State game, you got to stay up till one thirty till two a.m. Uh, to watch the games finish. And looking at the top twenty-five of college, it's it's interesting because the Pac-12, the quarterback play, just blows the other Power Five conferences out of the water. Uh, the strength of the teams is there, uh, but it, it's funny because the SEC is at one with Georgia, the Big Ten's at two with Michigan. The Big 12's at three with Texas. The ACC's at four with Florida State. And then we get into the Pac-12 with USC at five, Oregon at 10, Utah at 11. I skipped over Washington, who we think might be the best team in the Pac-12, as they're ranked eighth. Oregon State at 14, to Washington at 21. Colorado, who we talked about, is at 19. UCLA has trickled into 24 last week and now 22. It's eight ranked teams from the Pac-12. I mean, it's just crazy, but it, I mean, dumb thing to say, but just with the context, if the college football playoff began today, there wouldn't be a Pac-12 team in it. We obviously have, we haven't even gotten into conference play, but it's just funny. We talk so highly of the Pac-12 because they, they are the best conference uh, for the moment. And between Caleb Williams, QB, Michael Penix, Shadir Sanders, some would trickle in Bo Nix on Oregon. Cam Rising, if he's healthy, those QBs, I think, would start over Milrow at Alabama. They'd start for pretty much every team in the SEC except Daniels at LSU and probably every team in the Big 12 except Ewers at Texas. And so uh, it gets it, it gets impressive as we just compare it that way. J.J. McCarthy, who I think is amazing in Michigan, you know, Gold Blue always plays strong. He threw three picks against Bowling Green last week. So, I mean, you can say, you can say, oh, because Harbaugh wasn't coaching. They have a different interim head coach every week. and They played Bowling it, Green. Yeah, I mean, they played Bowling Green. They don't leave Ann Arbor during the preseason. They play every, you know, the first four games of the season at home, it seems like, every year. And their first road game, if I remember correctly, is at Nebraska. They play Rutgers and then at Nebraska. It it always does, you know, kick on for Michigan late in the year when they play Ohio State. And then either Michigan State or Penn State are ranked. So they do get tested. Uh, but it's just funny because, you know, Michigan and Ohio State tend to steamroll their first five games. And and then they they have to, you know, play someone noteworthy. And and that you could argue that's been cases for a lot of teams in past years, you know. For the Utes, that that ain't the case. They have one of the hardest, you know. In the first three weeks, their strength of schedule has been one of the best. Yes, they did play FCS Weber State, uh, but you know Weber State could beat a few uh, FCS teams and is is good in their own right in the FCS. But more importantly, they I mean they played Florida week one and then played Baylor and Baylor's still you know going to compete for a bowl game and have some tough outs in the Big 12 especially with the Texas rivals they play in conference and Florida's ranked now so after they got a big win over Tennessee on Saturday so that just helps out the Utes with with the what their wins look like as we wrap up here uh reaching the five o'clock hour we got football to watch in a few minutes and uh, our time is almost up. We'll finish up with our segment of the the tough win and tough loss of the week, uh, and we'll have 
know, Hank, start us off with that. Uh, either side of it, who uh, who are you going to give it to? Tough loss. I am I am going to be a little biased here and choose my Broncos. That was one of the hardest games to watch as a fan in a long time. Up twenty one three, first quarter. Uh, Russ fumbles late in the second quarter, and they go down to score, get a two point conversion, and then after that, it was wraps. They just couldn't, we couldn't stop them from scoring. We get a little bit of life with a hail mary at the end of the game. That's popped up twice. I don't know what the defense were defenders were doing. I uh, I would have thought they were uh, told to uh, bat a hail mary down, but they popped it up twice. We were able to catch it, and then. We'll go for two to tie it to put it to overtime. And Russ throws it to Corlin Sutton, who is being held up a little bit. They don't call the pass interference. Broncos fall to 0 2 for the second straight year. Um, so that will be my tough loss of the week. And I'll give it to you for a tough win. That, I mean, that definitely was a tough loss, especially when the Hill Mary happens and then you know you have. You know, a chance to to tie this to go into overtime, and the, the highs and lows in sports happen. You know, one play apart uh, from each other. You don't, you know, it ain't like life. You don't have to wait weeks or years uh, for some disappointment. It it took about four seconds, and it, it's a tough world. I felt that too. As Jaseki lateral that to Cole Strange on fourth down for the Patriots. And he got as close to the first down marker as you can without getting a first down. It was a tough way for the, the Patriots to go out. Nonetheless, wrapping it up here, our tough win of the weekend. We're going to go to the Southeastern Conference to Mizzou as the Tigers took down Kansas State. Uh, the number 15 team in the nation fell on the road 30-27. to How could it have been those tied 27-27? But then Harrison Melvis... Nails the 61-yard field goal as time expires to send the plays into a frenzy and the field to be stormed. So Mizzou with a big win. Mizzou Tigers almost almost beat them, the Georgia Bulldogs last year uh, at home and couldn't pull that one off. Uh, but, you know, uh, a great upset yesterday. Not to the same strength it would have been uh, of an upset last year against Georgia, but they couldn't have pulled that one off sometimes that's why it's only called an upset alert uh but you know the sec auburn kentucky mizzou start off three and zero, and then i'm sure they'll be roughed up within the next few weeks as there's just so much talent uh in there we'll have to see uh with uh you know he played his high school ball in utah how Ole miss qb jackson dart does they just beat ranked Tulane uh, and are three and zero, and they've been a little banged up offensively uh so We'll have to see Georgia's undefeated. Alabama and LSU already have a loss. Uh, I mean, to top to two top five teams in the nation, but uh, they couldn't pull those games off. But the bias is definitely there for the SEC. So we'll have to see uh, how this goes. And when the first college football playoff rankings come out, people are gonna, you know, uh, freak out. But they don't really mean anything. You uh, you got to go undefeated. Uh, to have a guaranteed spot in the college football play. If you lose one game, uh, it's pretty much a coin toss uh, if you're going to be able to make it or not. And if you don't, you'll get a cool New Year's Six game, a cool bowl game, uh, 
for 2024, but it won't be the college football playoff. So easier said than done, but just win every game you have. And that's going to do it for Hank and I to, uh, for this early evening. And yeah, just win. Just never lose in life. There you go. We'll see you next week, next Monday from 4 to 5. Uh, good luck. And, you know, shout out to, to, to BYU and Utah staying undefeated with wins over the weekend. Utah Tech put up a 50 bomb over Northern Arizona. So they got their first win of the season. Utah State got roughed up by, by Air Force. Uh, so they, they couldn't pull that win off. SUU, uh, I'm actually not sure what they did. But, you know, that little bit of talent uh, in the football world. And BYU's playing Kansas and Utah playing UCLA. So those could be some exciting games. We'll have to wait and see. Football's in about eight minutes on ESPN. So trickle over to that. Uh, Place your bets. I swear the algorithm is rigged. 